You're listening to Transforming Insight, the podcast for anyone who has the ambition to transform their insight team and create an insight-driven organization. Your host is James Witcherly, Chief Executive of the Insight Management Academy and the author of the book Transforming Insight, The 42 Secrets of Successful Corporate Insight Teams. Hello again, and welcome to the latest episode of the Transforming Insight podcast. This one's called Transforming Insight at Card Factory. Today we have another of our extended episodes, and I'm delighted to be joined by Liz Lamb, Head of Insight and Data at Card Factory. Liz, welcome. Hi, James. Nice to be here. It's great to have you. So would you like to start by giving our listeners a bit of an overview of the career that you've had in Insight roles? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the first thing I'd say is it's been quite varied. I kind of fell into it, actually. The plan was always to be a forensic psychologist, and I decided to take a a year out after my psychology degree just to assess where I wanted to be. I ended up in Millwood Brown and spent many years there, and 25 plus years later, I'm still obviously sort of within the industry. But yeah, it has been quite varied in terms of both agency, client-side roles, So Millwood Brown was the start for me. From there, I moved client side into Sainsbury's and spent a few years there. A fantastic time sort of during the business online was launching, etc. And had some great roles across both insight and marketing. And from there, moved on to Debenhams and spent a year there. And then I took a a move back to agency side, actually. Um, So again, sort of like a year there. I had a choppy couple of years, I think it's fair to say, deciding what I wanted to do, but then landed a role at post office. And I was there for a good few years, probably sort of seven, eight years, actually, in total, and worked my way up to finally sort of head up the Insight team and customer experience at post office. And again, worked on some fantastic projects there at a time when the business was really sort of moving forwards to be more self-sufficient. So a, a really great time had there. And from there, decided it was time to leave London and, and move back north. It took me a while to find the right position, actually. I wanted it to feel like a really kind of like good role that would see me for some, you know, for some years and happily landed a great role at ASDA, which was a fantastic nine years of my career up until sort of fairly recently. And during my time at ASDA, managed sort of like many different teams, actually. So um, I ended up there sort of like senior director of data, insight, but also looked after CRM, pricing, customer strategy, customer experience. So sort of like various roles during my time. And again, you know, a a period of real transformation for the business and obviously a time of really sort of battling with the discounters. So again, exciting times. And then from there, moved to N Brown. I took a bit of time out. We can maybe cover some of that later. Took a little bit of time out, took a contract position with N Brown, which was a really joyous contract, great team and some good challenges. And now find myself in my current position, which ticks so many of the boxes that I've been looking for for such a long time. And I've been brought in to head up, as you've said, data and insight. And it's a blank sheet of paper. So again, a fantastic and very new position for me to be in. Excellent. Well, what a a rich and varied range of experiences that is. So let me take you back to the moment when you're at Millwood Brown and you first decided to move into the world of corporate insight. 
Did you have a, a clearly formed view of what role insight teams played or could play in a large organization, a client-side organization at that point? Or did you move into that role imagining that it would be perhaps a bit like working in a market research agency, but just on the inside of a big organization? God, do you know, it's it's quite hard to think back. It's so many years ago. But I would say that I think I did have a fairly good idea. I mean, the, the beauty with Millwood Brown, and I'm sure many other agencies like it, is you work with some really big brands, right? So I was working with the likes of Quaker, Gillette, Barclays, Deu, Arcadia, Essie, Johnson. So I think I had a pretty good idea of the role that Insight could play. But I think until you're actually in the role yourself, you don't fully appreciate just, you know, maybe how much it brings to the table. So so possibly did go into Sainsbury's, you know, a little naive as to what the role, you know, would be. But I mean, client side really suited me, actually. So I, you know, loved it from from day one. Why was that? Oh, I, I, I loved feeling part of something. So so I felt I felt very vested, actually, in in Sainsbury's as a business and and still do. There's still an element of orange running through my blood. There's no doubt about it. Um, But I loved I loved the interaction with the different departments of seeing the role sort of the, the insight played. And I think I was really lucky, actually, to join such an established team so early on in my career. And I think in many ways it served as a blueprint for me for what a successful insight team looks like. There's no two ways about it. There was, you know, of course, there's always room for improvement and there were aspects that, you know, we could have done better. But it was an exciting time to be there and it was a really well-respected team within the business. It was also a time where things were being triangulated. So data was coming together with research and coming together with some of the commercial finance figures and whatnot. So, you know, as I say, it was it was brilliant to see that side of bringing pieces of the jigsaw together. That was a really key moment, I think, wasn't it, across the, the States and the UK when, well, when the word insights first started to be used in the very early 2000s and a, a range of large organisations had a sense of if we join together intelligence about customers and markets from lots of different sources and start thinking about insight as a, a means of solving problems and identifying value for companies, regardless of the, the source of the data, yeah. then it could actually make a, a real difference to our business performance. Absolutely. So you moved from Sainsbury's into other corporate insight roles, but then you went back agency side. What was what drove your thinking there? I'm not entirely sure what drove the thinking. In all honesty, <laughs> I think it was it was it was probably more a case of a contract was coming to an end, and the role presented itself to me, and and it sounded it sounded like a fantastic fit. In all honesty, and I probably thought you know with with having the client side experience. I've really got something to bring to the table here. You know, it's possibly naively went into the position thinking I could maybe change things about the agency as I saw, and that wasn't to be, sadly. So so in all in all honesty, it was a bit of a disastrous re-sort of introduction to, to agency life. But that said, you know, I did learn a lot. I met some fantastic and super smart people that I'm still in touch with today and do lean on heavily for sort of like advice in certain areas. But no, I think that was that was my defining moment of I am definitely a client side girl. 
So having learned that about yourself and what you really enjoyed, you then moved to the, the post office. And it sounds from your description yeah. of your, your time there, again, as if that was a really seminal part of your career in shaping your views about Insight as well. Absolutely. It was a, a really interesting business, um, I guess, from so many aspects. It Obviously, you know, I mean, it's it's you know, hundreds of years old, isn't it? It's a real kind of dame, if you like, of the high street. So very established, so much history attached to it. And so many kind of like longstanding people that worked at the post office. But also in the same vein, it felt like a startup because it was a business that needed to become more self-sufficient. So it was it was into, you know, new kind of like financial services, telephony, broadband, insurance, travel, you know, it, it it was kind of like just going off in so many different directions and also was kind of like in the online space as well. So all of that was happening. So whilst it felt kind of like a very old and established business with lots of kind of like process, etc., it also felt very fleet of foot and new with lots of fresh blood sort of in the organisation. So it was interesting sort of navigating insight through that sort of space and also interesting sort of like navigating the network because it's quite a complex network of owned crown branches but also agents kind of like the franchisee network as well sort of if you will so again the way that you communicate insight and the way that you you know ask things of people becomes quite different according to the audience so that was it was a real kind of process and learning for me in terms of stakeholder and audience management from an insight perspective. We've been talking at the IMA and some of our insight forums recently about the concept of an insight playbook, by which I mean a set of documents or written records of ideas that insight leaders have got and develop over a period of time about how to manage and lead and transform the insight team that they're, they're working with. It was at the, the post office, I think you said, that you sort of got your first taste of real insight leadership roles. So I'm, I'm fascinated to know the extent to which you feel that the, I think the template, as you described it, or the blueprint that you'd seen working so well at Sainsbury's was one that you were sort of very consciously taking and adapting, building on when you got to the post office, or whether when you first attained a sort of a leadership role, you, you almost felt, okay, well, I need to change my whole mindset now and start thinking about this this type of department differently. It, it's a really interesting question. And I think I probably, not perhaps knowingly took the blueprint of Sainsbury's actually sort of went into, into the business sort of as and when I was running the team. I mean, I think it's fair to say you've got to judge every business as you go into it. I think you can probably have a broad idea in your head of of what works and what doesn't work, but each business is unique. And I think it's, you know, it's got its own challenges. And I think, you know, you have to kind of like face that and what works over there may not work over here, et cetera. But I think broadly, I guess the the thing that really sort of, that that I saw working well at, at Sainsbury's, as I say, was the the triangulation of sources, the bringing together of those experts around the table and also that insight planning role, sort of like the storyteller within the team that worked really well. So that certainly is what I then cultivated at the post office. So definitely things that I learned and, and applied. 
Excellent. So from the post office, back to the world of supermarkets. And having told me that you had orange blood, you then ended up at the green supermarket. So I don't know if this is news to your former ASDA colleagues that you were always secretly a Sainsbury's person. Tell us more about your your time at ASDA and the the range of, of ways in which Insight worked within that business. Oh gosh, Asda, Asda was a, a fantastic. I mean, I probably look back at Asda as as oh yeah. I mean, I mean, really, probably the most joyous kind of like part of my career so far. Culturally, it was and continues to be a brilliant place to work. Incredibly fast paced, very hard yards, but you know you're rewarded with you know as I say things happening at pace. The people that work there, etc. So so yeah, a brilliant organisation. When I joined, and it was part of the appeal actually of of going to Asda. It was a very small team. And I would say, and I'm sure people wouldn't argue with this, it it was a small team of a jack of all trades, master of none in many ways. So there were people in the team who did qual groups one day, they were analysing market data the next day, presenting out into the business and trying so hard and doing an incredibly good job, but trying hard to do everything. And the ambition for the team was that we got the experts in place. So research team, data analytics team, a market analysis team, and that we would kind of bring those together with the team that I was then heading up, which was the insight planning part. And again, those storytellers that would put that insight out into the business. And it just really appealed to me, you know, that that the growth ambitions were bold, you know, and I spoke to people in Asda before I joined and people were desperate for that. So it just felt like a great time to be there. Excellent. Now, am I right in thinking that you had a hand in sort of pricing and the commercial insight a little bit more at at Asda as well? Because that always fascinates me, the extent to which insight leaders and their teams really bring in that commercial understanding and embed it within the, the customer and market insight work that they do. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it is the commercial understanding, isn't it, James? But it's also applying the customer lens to that. So, you know, you've got the pricing analytics, of course you have, but how can we ensure that we are, you know, investing in the right areas, giving, you know, customers the prices that they want and need while still making money. So I think you've always got the analytics, the pure kind of like pricing analytics side of things, but then there's the overlay of what's important to customers. How can we make these changes whilst retaining that value for money perception and not driving people away to go to competitors? So, it's a fine balance between between all. But the commercial side of things, I think, is critically important. And I've always ensured from an insight perspective that we've got a brilliant relationship with the finance team. Yes, I think a lot of insight teams could learn from that. I think the way that you described it is spot on. It was rather better description than that, was, which was in my question. I suppose what was in my mind was that if your team has a an explicit role to play around something that's got finance numbers associated with it. In Mm -hmm. some respects, I think that probably frames the way that the rest of the Insight team think about their roles a little bit. And it means that the the language of finance is not an alien language around the table for the the Insight people, which I'm afraid, I think it is in in quite a lot of organisations where there isn't that, that connection. And I would totally agree with you. I think that Customer Market Insight has an incredibly important role to play in the the financial and the commercial performance of organisations. But I think that Mm. historically, 
quite a lot of Insight teams have spent all their time looking outside, focusing so much on the customer and the market, almost to the detriment of understanding how their own organisation actually makes money and how it's their role to help with that, that process. Absolutely. No, I, I absolutely echo what you say. And I think, you know, you've, you, you've got to have, even if not in the detail, but you've either got to broker that relationship with the people that know inf- that information or you've got to have it because you've got to speak the language of the business. There's no two ways about it. And I think it's the only way that you get traction with the insight. You're listening to the Transforming Insight podcast published by the Insight Management Academy the world's leading authority on transforming corporate insight teams. So after nine years, I think you said, at at Asda, you've then had the experience of going into two other businesses, firstly to N Brown and then to Card Factory, having developed all that experience of corporate insight roles as well as the the time spent at, at agencies. So how have you approached the roles that you've done at those two subsequent organisations? Both quite different, actually. So N Brown was very much about, I think, probably taking an existing team, a really, you know, high performing team, great team. But I think one that was probably treated more as a service function than a partner and actually were were probably at the time quite shielded from what was happening within the business. So probably just small nudges from my part, actually, but just getting them more clued up about the business in those conversations, sharing more information about what was happening sort of within the business, what the big challenges were, where we were at from a sales point of view, etc. I think really started to help us shape more what was happening within the business. So more taking the lead rather than kind of just following in and uh, answering briefs. Um, Again, a brilliant time had there actually. And did the the fact that you were going in, I think, for a, a year in the business change the the way that you thought? Okay, well, I'm here to transform insight. That is my my role. I'm not here to to be the insight team. I'm here to paraphrase another of the books that we talk about a lot. The the IMA Michael Gerber's work. You were there to work on the insight team rather than in the insight team. Did that really? affect the way in which you you prioritised your time, you looked at the the focus of your energy and and effort in the time that you had there? There's no no two ways about it. And again, you know, I mean, I reported into a fantastic lady who did give me sort of carte blanche, you know, to be brave, be bold, you know, do what you need to do to get this in the right place. So yeah, invariably, I think it, it does alter you know you've not got the luxury of time have you where I'm going to spend the first you know 90 days understanding the business and kind of getting around etc you've you've almost got to progress things you know at at real speed and I was also part-time actually it's my first part-time role as well so that added to that sense of we just need to get on with this so yes I mean in short absolutely I think it did did change my approach and the need to speed things up. So let's come up to date. Your current role as Head of Insight and Data at at Card Factory. Tell us a little bit more about why you took that role in the first place, what you expected to find, how the the first few weeks and months in the the job have gone, and what your plans are to to transform Insight at, at Card Factory. When I left Asda, which was obviously, you know, the last big role, 
I took some time to think, what what do I really want from this next role? And it was really important to me that I found it. And it was it was about the culture. It was about the challenge that presented itself to me. And it was also about getting some work-life balance, which has eluded me for many, many years. But now with a child, unfortunately, I do need a little bit more of that. But I also wanted something that would put me more in control of my own destiny. So I knew I might be looking for some time for that because it, it, in many ways it's, you know, kind of the, the unicorn, isn't it, of, of roles. Apart from asking if it could be based on a desert island as well and having 365 days a year of wall-to-wall sunshine, yes, that sounds like the, uh, the perfect job. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But Card Factory presented itself, you know, and, and, and what an opportunity that was. So data and insight very much in its infancy within the business, no team. So first time I've ever gone into a business and it just be me like a lone wolf. But it felt brilliant in so many ways and ticked so many boxes. So culturally, I was always aware of Card Factory as soon as I moved back north, actually. It was it was a business that was on my radar culturally felt very aligned with me and my values and I don't want to sound like I've been indoctrinated but you know it's it's a very fun supportive inclusive non-hierarchical organization really caring but also with brilliant plans in place so you know very brave very passionate and the people just embrace newness you don't have anybody saying you know this is my patch or we've tried that before everybody's so open it's just a fantastic place to be it also ticked the box of balance for me so you know I am in the office two days, sometimes three days a week, sometimes not at all. And it's only 40 minutes from here. So it's giving me more family time as well, which I'm, you know, hugely appreciative of. And absolutely in control of my own destiny. You know, it's a blank sheet of paper. So whilst that can be slightly intimidating, it's also hugely exciting. It strikes me that if you've got a blank sheet of paper, and I, I get, I can see your your excitement about that, and listeners will be able to hear it in your voice, but there's also a lot of choices to make, aren't there? Mm. And I guess it's quite refreshing in some ways that there's an explicit set of choices because if you're in an established insight team, very often the tendency, the default, is to carry on doing what that insight team has done before and the difficulties in challenging that and, and pressing the reset button. But if you've got a totally blank sheet of paper, having to make choices about what the Insight team does and critically what it doesn't do as well, have you found that quite a challenge? It has been a challenge. And I interviewed actually sort of with the the CEO and he said to me, do you know, everybody's so excited about you coming in, Liz. I'd refer to you as the shiny new toy. And it's, whilst that's, you know, it's quite funny, isn't it? But But also with that comes... 101 requests because everybody's you know got this pent up here she is you know she's going to answer all of our questions so to your point you absolutely do need to be choiceful it's made slightly easier by the fact it's just me I am one person so there is only so much I can do so I mean very quickly established that I am a strategic function. You know, I'm not here to answer the tactical questions, albeit we can put something in place that will help people with those questions, but that they're not going to be answered by me. And I think, as I saw it, my first job was to get some foundational knowledge in place because the th- there was no foundational knowledge. There was no real sense of customer insight. Data analysis happened in pockets, but didn't ever come together sort of as a whole. So 
first job, establish what we do have and what that's telling us and where are the gaps. And quite quickly got some info on the macro environment, brought in some market analytics so we understand our place within the market, how we're performing, where our opportunities are, and also that view of and what's the role we're playing in inviting customers into the business and keeping customers coming back. So customer satisfaction, brand image, etc. So that we've got a sort of a consistent customer narrative and that can go out with sort of a regular cadence to the business. So that was almost the first job. And then it was picking off and what are some of the big strategic pieces that we need to face into that are going to help us with our plans sort of this year, next year. So we've looked at aspects such as brand strategy. I've developed a new customer segmentation, some drivers analysis to understand what it is, you know, what are the drivers of choice in the market? What will bring people to us? And some pricing analytics because our pricing needed work, but with a customer lens on it to make sure that, you know, as I was talking to earlier, we are investing sort of in in the right areas and we're doing it in a customer centric way so it's been a a busy where am I now sort of seven months a busy seven months I've um, brought somebody else in as well so there's now two of us around the table happily but still so much more to go after two things that really strike me about your description of the first seven months that you've had working at Card Factory one is the importance of building a foundation of knowledge to start with I can imagine that quite a lot of people, maybe without the experience of working in corporate insight roles that you've had, might jump straight into quite a project mindset and be keen to show how they could deliver new pieces of research or analysis. Whereas the fact that you spent that time laying the foundation and building that blueprint, if you like, of how customers interact with the card factory business and how the business then makes money as a result of those interactions, I think there's a lot there that that insight people could learn from. The other thing, though, is about your focus on a small number of strategic things. I very often think that most insight leaders are constantly looking to grow their teams. And of course, that's understandable because we all want to make more impact on more topics. But the disadvantage is that it can feel very difficult to say no to more tactical initiatives. I'm just wondering whether having worked in a large insight team and been leader of a, a large insight function and now having a a far less developed insight team and not having that temptation to get involved in tactical things. Is there any advice that you could give to people who maybe do the roles that you used to do uh, back in Asda and the post office and and Sainsbury's? I mean, I think there's a couple of things. I think it's what's important to the business, first and foremost. And I think I have been very lucky in that I've joined a business that's very clear about its future direction. And no matter who you speak to, everybody is on the same page with with what's needed. So I think that's the first the first thing is talk to your stakeholders, get an understanding of what's important to them and where the business is going. How can you help achieve that ambition but then I think as well with that foundational knowledge that you've got you've also got the piece that says does that reflect what we're seeing from a from a customer point of view so what we need to deliver to the customer where are some of those gaps do those two things align because actually you know I've had experiences where I would challenge some of the strategy that's been set and the direction of travel, for example. So I think it's just making sure that those two things align. But I think when you've got that, it becomes very easy to be quite single-minded in what the focus is and to bat away some of the tactical sort of bits and pieces. 
I think that's a, a very profound answer. And there's, there's a lot that many insight leaders and, and their teams could learn from that. I'm going to ask you one more question, if that's okay. And it's always a difficult one, I know, because we learn a lot during the course of our, our careers in insight. But if you could share one tip with maybe insight leaders who've got the ambition to transform insight in their organisation, what would it be? I think my tip would be collaborate. So never think that you can do this on your own. In order for you know insight to get traction, it has to be about collaborative work. And, and I always talk to the power of three. And I've always talked to that both internally in my teams. So whether that's, you know, a uh, an expert in research, in the data, the insight planner, the storyteller coming together to really make that powerful, or whether it's externally and it's insight and it's finance and it's the stakeholder. For me, it's always about that power of three and how that comes together to really get the insight activated. So collaborative work for me wins sort of every time. And as I say, I've always referred to it as the power of three. The other aspect, James, if I can have one more, I don't know if anybody else has done this, but I will I will steal one more. And it's to focus on the stuff, the people, the place that gives you energy. I think for many years, I didn't really fully understand that. And I really get that now, because I think when you are somewhere that gives you energy and that aligns with all of your values, I think that's when great things happen. Fabulous. I'll allow you two tips. The first insight leader ever in a Transforming Insight podcast to be allowed two tips, but they're they're crackers. So that's absolutely fine. (laughs) Push the boundaries. It's been such a pleasure to talk to Liz today and about the transformation journey that she's been on and the transformation that she's trying to bring about to Card Factory, just as she has with the other insight teams that she's been involved with. If you lead a corporate insight team yourself, I hope that you found our conversation interesting and very relevant to the challenges that you face as well. In the next episode of our podcast, we'll return to the Transforming Insight book and our current focus on influencing decision makers, and we'll explore another secret of successful corporate insight teams. Thank you for listening. Transforming Insight is available on all leading podcast platforms. Subscribe now to get notified when the next episode is released. Check out all the resources in the show notes and sign up to our email list. The Transforming Inside podcast is brought to you by the Insight Management Academy, who reserves the rights to the content. For more information on any of the ideas discussed in the episode, please visit www.insight-management.org. Music